ดินเดย์รีดิโอราดิโอพอลวิทยุสถานเชื่อมราดิโอลจิสราดิโอกสพิรค่ะดับเบิลราดิโอ You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on skag and skip Confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary, the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the Shaper Award Theater, and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run, or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8:32 on the court from 29 District. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. Good morning, Copenhagen. Good morning, Hamburg, Germany. You're listening to The Bridge Radio through FSK Hamburg, and we are live. And the music you're hearing is just called The, Revo- the Revolution Will Not Be Televised. And Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on search for tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. We are bringing you the revolution live from the studio, and this is our intro song because we want to bring the revolution to the forefront ourselves. And because of that, we see in our revolution will not be televised. So we are bringing it right to you this morning. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised. Will not be televised. Will not be televised. Will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds whispered. Don't you know? Talking about. And I'm going to be your host this morning. My name is Steve, and um, I'm going to continue to be your host. And our program today is going to be talking about knowledge. And if you looked at the theme of our program today, it's called "Knowledge Is Not Why." And we are trying everything we can to decolonize the curriculum, the society, and our way of thinking. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds. 
gonna rise up Get this, yeah Poor people gonna rise up And take what's there just heard it's from um, it's from uh, Tracy Chapman and uh, the song is called talking about revolution and that's basically what we do here at the bridge radio in collaboration with FSK Hamburg and today as I mentioned earlier we are going to be talking about the production of knowledge and the difference between knowledge and education and we've been talking about this in the both in the silent university and we've been talking about this in the bridge radio and we've be also been trying to express that as both minority groups refugees migrants indigenous people around the world that our knowledge is not included in the curriculum in the educational spaces and where knowledge itself is assumed as being produced that our knowledges are not uh, recognized and in doing that uh, today I will be presenting you with some of the interviews I've been talking uh, I've been having with um, some of the affected uh, individuals or communities uh, that are also in this part of the world and you will be hearing you'll be hearing from some of them later on as we move along the program but as we continue to um, go along in the program um, I will bring you another song before we actually go on to the main interview and the discussions and this song is called Land of the Free and uh, it's made by Joe Badass and the song itself many of the many of these lyrics reflect to our everyday um, circumstances because here in the West is many of the time assume that people are free, that uh, you can live a free life, but we experience it differently. And so the song comes up. And after this, please stay tuned. You'll be, we'll be having the interviews in a short while. Yeah. 
You know, sometimes I think they don't truly understand me, you know? Cause they don't. Can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do will say today is worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child. I begin my first now. Sometimes I speak and I feel like it ain't my words. Like I'm just a vessel channeling inside this universe. I feel my ancestors arrested inside of me. It's like they want me to shoot my chance and change the society. But how do I go about it? Tell me where I start. My destiny rerouted when I chose to follow heart. You chose to follow suit, but tell me what to do for you. Except where you down, now you trapped inside the cubicle they built for us. The first step in the change is to take notice. Realize the real gains that they try to show us. 300 plus years of them cold shoulders. Your 300 million of it still got no focus. Sorry, America, but I would not be your soldier. Obama just wasn't enough. I need some more closure. And Donald Trump is not equipped to take this country over. Let's face facts, cause we know what's the real motives. In the land of the free is full of free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made us all loners. Still got the last names of our slave owners. In the land of the free is full of free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made us all loners. Yeah, we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do is say today that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action. Trickery in the system, put my niggas in prison. All our history hidden, ain't no liberty given. We all fit the description of what the documents written. We've been lacking the vision and barely making a living. We too worried to fit in while they've been benefiting. Every time you submit it, we all guilty admitted. The law won't get you acquitted, but you still effort forgiveness. Put opiates and syringes, then inject his religion. Now, many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission. Many times I gotta tell you I don't need no permission. A human with supervision, ain't no living condition. I'm reaching out to my children, just hoping that they will listen. Start a new coalition against corrupt politicians It's not enough out the prison Too many murder convictions Nothing family evicted Nothing black man the victim That's as real as it's getting You should take recognition In the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized my people made us all loners Still got the last names of our slave owners In the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized my people made us all loners Yeah we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt. Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do is say today that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child.
after the song you're just hearing is called the land of the free and uh, we are trying to express here that even though this is seen as the land of the free it is the west we are in and even though it's seen as the land of the free we minority bodies black bodies um, indigenous bodies refugees migrants they are not free and we want to be let free in every way so the next uh, voices you're going to be hearing is going to be from the interview um, i just had about this particular topic about production of knowledge and we are going to be talking mainly about that today so then my guest in the studio for the first interview is Ahmed. so Bridge Radio, and thank you for joining us today. And today we have uh, a nice guest who is also a from a, mig a minority group who is a student, a, a filmmaker, and uh, a journalist. And uh, here we have Ahmed. Please, Ahmed, welcome to the program. Please, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, my name is Ahmad Jalali Farahani. I come from Iran. Uh, in 2010, I came to Denmark because there was a film festival in Denmark, and I have made a film about uh, three different uh, rappers uh, who were singing against the government. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then is, uh, I mean, there is a film festival in Copenhagen. Its name is... CPHO Dutch Festival. And uh, the festival uh, has chosen my film and they invited me to Denmark and I came here and after uh, screening the film, uh, the government of Iran uh, announced that uh, if Ahmed or uh, his family come back to Iran, I will, I mean, the government will uh, kill them. So I should uh, apply for a refugee in, in, in Denmark, but I try to, I mean, I try to move to Germany, but the police of uh, Denmark told me you cannot do it because of the Ber Dublin Convention. Mm. So I should apply a refugee here, and after a while, uh, they accepted my uh, apply and application, and uh, then I started my new life in Denmark. And I uh, started to making film. Uh, still, I'm making film, and my, one of my film, which name is uh, We Are Journalists, uh, which is about uh, freedom of speech and uh, censorship in Iran. Uh, I mean, uh, this film uh, got a very famous, uh, how can I say that? Uh, um, the film uh, became very famous. Yeah, and, uh, going with to people. Different, yeah, different uh, festivals, and I got uh, some of, uh, you know, uh, international prizes. I was nominated for Best uh, Documentary Film Director in Denmark for uh, 2015, and... Um, in 2016, I was nominated for Best uh, uh, Documentary Film Director in a prize. Uh, the name of the prize is Freedom of uh, the uh, Freedom, the Voice of Freedom. Sorry, the Voice of Freedom, and mm -hmm. I got the prize in uh, Barcelona, in Spain. And uh, I am still uh, trying to make film, uh, and but. At the same time, I am a student of social science in 
Roskilde University in uh, Denmark. Wow, that's um, that's nice. They're specifically speaking about universities uh, and Roskilde University. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today, mainly our program is focused on the production of knowledge. And we also articulate to see it because of the way we see the society and the way the society perceives us refugees, migrants, and uh, minority groups or indigenous people around the world. Uh, we somehow see that we are excluded from this educational system. And now you've spoken about uh, Roskilde University. What is your experience in the educational system when we talk about exclusion of knowledge or exclusion of minority knowledge? What is your experience in this uh, educational system of universities? Let me let me let me see you from the very 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 beginning that I applied for uh, continue my education in Roskilde University as a humanistic bachelor. Mm-hmm. One of one of the condition for at uh, get for for getting this this uh, course this uh, bachelor is that you sh- you should uh, know. Uh, not just English, not just uh, Danish, mm-hmm. and uh, you should know another language like like Arabic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I come from Iran, mm-hmm. and I have mastered the gym from Iran. I I have a master in, in the media management. Mm-hmm. And in Iran, as uh, the, the, the rules says that every student... Every student should learn, I mean, not should, must learn Arabic language in the school. Mm-hmm. Not just for one year, two years, you know, for 12 years. Okay. Because, I mean, because, uh, you know, the because the, the, how can I, yeah, constitution of our country mm-hmm. says that every student should learn Quran should learn Arabic language, and this is obligation, and this is not, you know, a choice. Yeah. So, then I applied to continue my, my education in Roskilde. The, uh, the administration of university didn't let me to continue my education as a humanistic uh, bachelor. They told me, you cannot speak or understand or write Arabic. Arabic language, mm-hmm. and your ability to writing, understanding, and, uh, you know, uh, learning Arabic language is lower than, than a Danish student. And That's I, your possibility, you who came from Iran, that's yeah. the possibility for you to be able to learn Arabic is low compared to that of a Dane. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. wow, okay. And and you know what? And uh, then I try to struggle. Then I, tr- I, I, you know, I make a sue against the university, and uh, we had a very, very huge uh, process against lots of, you know, rules, this and that, this and that. And uh, unfortunately, finally, the judgment told me the Oskilde University doesn't have right to let you come to university because you know Arabic language. 
So my question is why? Why a, a, a university has announced that if you know Arabic language, you can continue your education here as a humanistic uh, bachelor. Mm -hmm. And then the judgment, the court says that it's impossible because this university did wrong. That they did you right. Know? No, 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 wrong. I mean, they, 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 they have written to me that you cannot continue humanistic education in, in Roskilde University because the Arabic language is not a permission. Even it is in, 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 in the announcement of, of the university. Hmm. I, I hope you can understand me. Yeah, I, I understand mean, you. One of the, the conditions was that you should speak a third language. It could be Italian, it could be Spanish, it could be you know French, it could be Arabic or Turkish. Okay, I could... Right, I can write, speak, understand Arabic. My name is Ahmad. You know, it's so funny. Yeah. And then they told, no, you cannot do it. Why? Because Arabic language given you permission. And then, you know, this is just the one, this is just the beginning. Okay, let me try to continue. Can I, can I continue? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. You know, in Roskilde University, there is a method that every student should join to a group, to a student group, to uh, do the exercise and homework, you know, and uh, lectures. So, what was the reaction of my classmates? Awful, my friend, awful. I mean, in the beginning, when I start, I I I've joined to a group mm -hmm. in 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 this in this, uh, in this university because I I changed my my you know uh, my uh, field I, I field I I changed my education I I started to study uh, social scientists mm -hmm. instead of uh, humanistic scientists mm -hmm. and then um, you know then. I mean, in, in every group meeting, then I started to make, to say something. Nobody listened to me. Nobody did listen to me, you know, and their reaction was like, you are, you are not here. I mean, they talked with each other very nice, very warm, very, you know, very friendly. Yeah. And every time that I started to talk, nobody didn't care what I am telling about, you know? Yeah, you know, one of, the fun, one of the funny things about this that you also mentioned now is uh, the very idea within the schools itself mm. or within the uh, educational system, which is the university, one mm. of the big problems that is there also for many of us who are Africans or from other minority groups, at least as an African, one of the things I, have, I noticed is when you come into this educational um, ground or spaces, mm -hmm. one of the first things that they, they tell you or why you cannot get along, first we have to say there is a lot of bureaucracies, a lot of bureaucracy that excludes you 
in the school. Yeah. It's a systematic exclusion with a lot of bureaucracies that is made up to exclude the minority groups. So one of that is you come, as you said, you come from Iran and you speak Arabic, which is your own local language or one of your main languages. And you come to a place like Europe, despite what your knowledge is, despite what your qualification is in Iran. One of the assumptions that they have in Europe is that your qualification in Europe cannot be in the same standard as the one in Europe. That, yeah, that is simply because, first, you do not or you are not expressing yourself in, the, in their own language that they can understand. Uh, yeah. You are not expressing yourself in the knowledge that they understand because, of course, the knowledge you embody from Iran is totally different than the one they, the knowledge that they are taught here. The knowledge that I have or I have been taught by my society and community in Nigeria is totally different from the way um, this particular society teaches its own its own uh, citizens. So when when you come here, of course, they they think that because you are not or you do not speak in their language or because you did not learn in the same manner that they have learned in their own society, that automatically means that your own knowledge is sub knowledge it's uh, from it's not really up it's not uh, up to the standard of european um knowledge so so yeah, therefore I mean, sorry i mean uh, you know, I, I, I i am totally agree with you let me let me uh, if if i can let me see what was my worst experience in this university. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about discrimination or, you know, racism in Denmark. If you want, I can talk to you. I can, I can tell you, I, one time I tried to park my car in front of home and then the owner of the house came out and told me, you, are, you cannot park your car here. And I asked him why, and he told me, because you are not Danish. I have lots of Experience like that. Mm -hmm. I was in a process to making a film in the street, and you know, in Denmark, uh, it's not forbidden. You can you can make film or take photo in a in a public uh, space, public uh, a space in a public environment, and nobody cannot stop you. But in front of my home, when I was filming. Then a lady came and told me, you cannot make film here. And I asked her why. And she told me, because you are not Danish and I am afraid you try to robbery. And you try to store something. You, you, you are filming these houses and you, you want to come back at the night or some day. <laughs> you want to come back here and store something from these houses. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to talk about this experience. Yeah, of why? course, of course. I think uh, I, I want to I want to say this is very important. Okay. Why I decided to continue my education in Denmark? This is a very big question for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why I did it? Because I thought I guess that in the university, in a an in an academic situation, environment, area, mm -hmm. I can get more equality instead of 
of the society. Mm-hmm. I can make, I can make, or I can give more peace and equality in in in, in, in university because I thought, okay, academic people are talent are smarter than than the society, the average of the society, and they can give me more peace and more uh, equality and not discrimination, not racism, but I was wrong. I'm sorry to say very, you know, sensitive, but it's totally true. For the first time in entirely of my life, I was, you know, I was discriminated because of my face, because of my body, because of my the color of my skin. This is within the academic um, uh, spaces you're talking about now, yeah? Yeah, of course, okay. of course. I mean, in the I I told you in the in the very beginning when when I was in the first you know semester in 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 in, in the in the university. Our teacher came and told every student has to join to a group for writing a project mm-hmm. about some different issues. And there was a group, and their title was Refugee mm-hmm. Crisis in Europe. Mm. And I was interesting. Okay, I am refugee, and I really want to write something about refugees. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what they... They told me, they told me, how can you let to yourself to come in here and ask us to join to this group? They, and they were asking you why you want them to join the, refu- the, the things to write about you, the refugees. You, yeah, how can you let yourself? How can you, you know? And I asked them, why? What's the problem? I am a student like you. Mm-hmm. But you are not Danish. But you are not Danish. You are not as smart as like, as, as, as well as us. Mm. Which and is... this was most awful moment in, in time. You know, you know, Steve, I was in the jail for three years. I got lots of torture. In Iran. Very often. In Iran, yeah, I I got three times fake ex- exclusive. You know what? They they took uh, they took uh, you know you know like 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 a rock mm-hmm. around my knees, yeah, and then they tried to you know they tried to uh, to to make to make a ex- execution, yeah, execution, yeah, and then uh, it didn't happen because. They came to me and told me, ha, 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 it was wrong. Uh, you, you shouldn't be here. I have this experience for three times, but it wasn't my worst moment in my life. My worst moment in my life was the moment that Danish student told me, you, how can you let yourself to come here and ask us to join to our group? You are not Danish. You are not human, actually. You know, this is one of the things, actually, uh, that it's problematic in this sense. Because we have...
If they're civilized, I'd rather stay savage. We them barbarians, beautiful and scaring them. Earth shaking, rattling, be wild out loud again. We them barbarians, jasmine and frankincense. Feminine invading them, beautiful barbarians. The song you're listening to now is Mona Haida, and it's called Beautiful Barbarians. And as much as you heard from my last uh, interviewer, many of us are assumed as barbarians, even in the educational system, even in the social system, despite what your knowledge, despite what your um, social status, no matter what your level of understanding of the world is, you're still a barbarian in the eye of so many <clears throat> here in the West. So we are moving on, and the the interview you've been listening to so far is from Ahmed, who is also a filmmaker and a journalist. So please enjoy the song, and we'll be back with the interviews. It's so critical, power so deep and so mystical They say the personal is so political oh, Women, our future is winnable We gotta be indivisible We them barbarians Beautiful and scaring them Earth shaking, rattling Be wild out loud again We them barbarians Jasmine and frankincense Feminine invading them Beautiful barbarians Yes, you are listening to the Bridge Radio from FSK um, Hamburg, and here we are collaborating with this, um, how will I say it, uh, very open space, which we think is very, um, how would I say, describe it, democratic and open to being able to accept the different opinions and different views of minority around its community. So uh, that's where we've been streaming from all this time and 
in collaboration with them. So you're listening to us from FSK. So we'll be moving on to the interview, and I hope you have the um, you find the program very interesting, and I hope that you're still going to be stay tuned. So we'll be bringing you the last part of uh, Ahmed's interview. So here it comes. You know, this is one of the things actually uh, that it's problematic in this sense. Because we have a lot of, during my uh, years in the refugee camps uh, in Denmark, we had a lot of, um, how do you call them, uh, researchers, uh, academias who come to the refugee camps to write about refugee stories, to hear their stories and try to make it public. Uh, We have a lot of people who travel from here many of the times to go and write about other people's country and bring it back to Europe. I mean, they go and make a research on specifically on other people's country. Like, for instance, in my country, it's not a perfect country. Of course, we have um, uh, criminals, leaders who are also in in bed with the European uh, government who are taught in their own way to be uh, authoritarian to the society and when they make these their citizens leave from their country due to the bad things they were doing or the bad policies that they have when they force the people to leave many of us end up in this part of the world and the thing is that there are constantly if you go back to histories of each of the violence that is happening now there has been series of people who has been writing it um the this particular issue of refugees that is happening in in Europe now. Everyone has been presenting it as a crisis and nobody's looking at it or presenting it as a, as a crime that their government is committing. It's true that yeah. our own government commits crimes that made us run, but somehow we wanted to believe that this part of the world is going to is standing up for human rights, it's doing things for human rights, but we are totally wrong, at least in my view. I am totally wrong. Just like you said, I don't know how people who are supposed to come and research on the issue of people who are in this situation or who have been left in the refugee camps for a very long time by their own government end up writing about the same people and profiting from these ideas that they have collected from these people of their journeys, of the... uh, crazy or terrified things that they saw on their way or what they are living through, they take all these stories, we give them these knowledges, and then they go to the educational uh, spaces or educational system and distribute this as their own production of knowledge. So my question becomes, or my question now becomes, in your own view, what is the difference between educational, education, educational system and knowledge? What from your experience? Because you know, every day we all produce knowledge, and of course, it's not recognized because we do not have certificates uh, from the universities. Uh, but on a daily basis, people from minority groups, even refugees, migrants, we are constantly producing knowledge that is being used in this society. What do you think? What? What's, what's, what's your opinion about this exploitation of minority groups' um, knowledge? And what's your opinion on transferring that to become somehow, in their own terms, 
um, intro introduced into the educational system, if you get my question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I mean, uh, you know what, um, what, what I can see is that um, for, for, for the system in, in, in Denmark, and maybe you can say uh, Europe, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you. Uh, what, I mean, what is your ability? Mm -hmm. What is your uh, talent? Mm -hmm. What is your What is your How can I say that? Uh, knowledge. Yeah. You know, uh, and how much are you? Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, how can I, expert? Like, how, how, I mean, I mean, uh, sorry. How much do you know about something? Yeah. And we have to just just one comment before you continue. We have to remember that one only has experience through uh, one only has knowledge through experience, at least from where I have come from. You cannot yeah, yeah. you cannot produce knowledge without being in the experience, living in the experience. So it surprises me that a lot of people from universities uh, or academias write about issues mainly when you talk about refugees, migrants, uh, minority groups, about people who are in the who are living the experience. Why they are the ones writing the things in their in their name? Why we are the ones producing the knowledge ourselves because we live in the experience? But please continue yeah. what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I want to say that for, I mean, you know. This is my experience. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But my experience says that, you know, it doesn't matter what do you know, what's your knowledge, mm -hmm. which, which kind of, uh, of, of level uh, of knowledge do you have. Mm -hmm. For this system, it is more important than are you white, are you Danish, are you European or not. And do you have they the certificates care. from the uh, yeah. universities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Let me let me try to say something to you. You know, I have already a master degree from from my country. Okay. Yeah. And it is about media management. Yeah. Okay. So nobody nobody doesn't care in in the, in the university. Nobody doesn't care what I know, what mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. Even I was. Let me see a, a, an example. When I started to struggle against the university, you know, because of my Arabic problem. Yeah. Because they told me, you, I, I mean, I talk, uh, Iranian people talk uh, Persian, but all of them know Arabic. Yeah. Because it's obligation. Mm -hmm. And then, then when, I, when I went to the administration in the university and I, I told them, hey, my name is Ahmad. And Ahmad is an Arabic name. Mm -hmm. And I give me a text, give me an Arabic text, and then uh, examine, examine my, and uh, try me. Yeah. Can I can can I read or understand or talk? You know what uh, she did tell me? No. She she told me it doesn't matter for us. For us, you are a code. You are a refugee, and we, we do we don't we don't care about that. And I I told her I am a journalist, I am a filmmaker, and I have lots of uh, Danish friends. They can help me. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I told her I have made um, a film and they I was nominated for best uh, documentary in Denmark. And she told me, oh, such a lucky man are you? You know what? For, such for, a lucky man are you? Because for, you you was very lucky because you was nominated for best film in Denmark. So, you know, she, she didn't care about me, about my personality, about my character, about my CV, about my career. Mm. For her, I was just a refugee. For her, I was just a, a stupid man who tried to be a normal man. You know? Yeah. You know, I want to talk about... We, we have we have an, an issue in, 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 in social science. We say that we call it politely discrimination or politely racism. And what is this? This is a systematic, systematic uh, discrimination. And what was what what is that? What is this? This is the way that the Western countries in Europe, I don't know about Germany, I don't know about different, uh, lots of countries in Europe, but I know about Denmark that they try to show that they are very talented, very, uh, very, very respectful to, to tolerance. Mm -hmm. Which they are not. But, but all the rules, my friend, are against you. Mm. Which is what we're talking about with bureaucracy and exclusion and also, um, how is it called, exploitation of these individuals. Because, of course, we know that they would not allow allow you to get into the system. And even when you do, um, you finally get out of it. You are either underpaid when you get a job. You are either yeah. not doing the right things you studied, in which you will not get a job, or which will make you finally take a lesser job. Uh, all of these things is part of this exclusion and longer list of uh, bureaucracies that excludes uh, minority group, refugees and migrants to be included in this part of the society. And we know that quite a that's lot true. of work. I mean, they try to tell you, you can, you cannot be like us, but you can try. Which... I mean, we have, we have, we have a very big issue right now in Europe about integration. Mm -hmm. I know in Germany it, it is a very big uh, issue in the media. I yeah. know that. Yeah. But what is the definition of integration in Europe? It's not integration. It's assimilation. Exactly. They it's... don't want you as yourself, as a, as a Nigerian person, as an Iranian person, as a majority person, to live in Europe as you want, as you wish. Yeah. They want you to live here, to think here, to act here like themselves. Which, 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 which is never... you at least even though you tried because there is a quite a lot of us who are also refugees and migrants who try or who are really putting up their best in really to to be able to migrate into the society but no matter what their effort is 
because you can never be another person you can no matter how much you try to put yourself in another person's image no matter how much that person wants you to be them it's really not possible to be no, another no. person even 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 you even you do it there isn't any future for you especially in Denmark yeah you know last week the government has passed a new rule in the parliament what this rule says it says it doesn't matter how much a person can integrate in our society a yeah. refugee person yeah the refugees should come back home and the government it it, it doesn't a duty of the government to make this process this integration process for refugees no the government has to make the process to send them back to their home yeah i forgotten what uh, that was called uh, this this particular legislation they passed uh, i think that was last week i forgot yeah. what they called it um uh, i forgot what they called it in the parliament that they just passed but it's one yeah. of the things we have to keep on like trying to also know that no matter how much we try that this very system despite the fact that the government keep on saying that they do not want to integrate they do not want to work and all of this we know that all that is a lie and we know that um people are trying on a daily basis to to yeah. to integrate to do something with the danish people to improve the danish society in the way that they also look at themselves but the thing is that we are not included in that i mean it has been awesome really um sharing your experience the experience with you ahmed and i'm glad mm-hmm. you were able to come on onto the program today and uh, i hope that on one of these days we can also have you in the program um yeah and thank you very much for coming into the program you're welcome you're welcome my friend all right and i hope you have a nice day and thank you very much and you are listening to the bridge radio and i i hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks for listening ladies and gentlemen we at El Moro High are happy to present our interpretation of the classic folk tale, Little Red Riding Hood. So please, enjoy. The music you're about to listen to is called The Atlantish, and they are from a group, a band from Denmark, and it's called, Look. Uh, the title is called Look Into My Eye, and we're asking the Danish and the European society, the West, to look into our eyes and see that we mean no harm and it should not be interpreted or when we come here that it should not be interpreted as um, either trying to change the society or try to apply harm in the society we would like to remind the society that they should look into the eyes of the children that they have locked up in Shesmark, uh, the bodies that they have locked up in Elleberg and Kasugo, and the new proposal to put people in Lindholm, in the island, in somewhere in Denmark. They should look into the souls of these individuals, look into the eyes and see that they are actually 
destroyed people, displaced people, people who are seeking for safety. So this song is also mainly dedicated to them. My sister, see I've known terror for quite some time, 57 years so cruel, terror breeze the air I breathe, it's the checkpoint on my way to school, terror is the robbery on my land, and the torture of my mother, the imprisonment of my innocent father, the bullet in my baby brother, the bulldozers and the tanks, the gases and the guns, the bombs that fall outside my door. All due to your funds you Blame me for defending myself Against the ways of my enemies I'm terrorized in my own land What can I the terrorist? Do you know the truth of where your money goes? Do you let the media deceive your mind? Is this the truth that nobody, nobody, nobody oh, knows? Someone oh, tell me Oh, let's not cry tonight I promise you one day it's The taxes that you pay Feed the forces that traumatize My heavy living day So if I won't be here tomorrow It's written in my fate May the future bring a brighter day The end of our ways Oh, let's not cry tonight I promise you one day it's through Oh, my brothers Oh, my sisters that was the song and as it just played and as you had my last um in uh, the last guest we had talk about there is no need to be afraid of foreigners there's no need to be afraid of refugees migrants indigenous people or minority groups because in reality <clears throat> they actually help in building the society and as the new election in denmark comes up and the um hatred is being spread and the laws hatred laws are being passed like i may just talked about about the new law that was passed and i tried to remember what the law was called yesterday or when we were having the interview and i could not remember in denmark there is a new law that is called the paradigm shift and this paradigm shift uh, it's mainly to isolates refugees and migrants to isolate foreigners in Denmark. It does not only isolate foreigners in Denmark, we also want to remind the Danish people, or the common Danish people, that this also has a consequences for you. Um, it does not only isolate refugees and migrants, uh, as they say, it also uh, um, isolates both those of you who are somehow f family to uh, foreigners, refugees, friends, uh, of refugees and migrants, it's also going to affect you. It's going to affect your society and your um, 
how is it called, economic um, backgrounds. So that's one of the things I would like to talk about today. And I will be going on to the next music, and the next music we are going to be playing, or I'm going to be bringing to you, is called Yemen, Hawaii, Habai. And that's from Hawaii. And as we play this song, we also want to remind people about the ongoing war in Yemen and the people who are suffering in Yemen. That they should also remember that this is one of the ways that uh, the refugee crisis is being uh, escalated and many of us are playing part in it. We should also know that. So as we come back to the studio after the song, I would like us to also go back to the second interview. And 
I hope that people, wherever you are, you are still tuned onto the radio FSK and onto the Bridge Radio. You can always check up on our website, thebridgeradio.com, or you can always go to our Facebook site called The Bridge Radio. Or you can also check out uh, some of our previous programs uh, in SoundCloud, or you can listen to it also online. So please check out uh, what we have covered in the last few years, uh, which are the topics that you might find interesting. And we'll also ask, ask the uh, local communities, please, we want you to get involved in this program. We want to bring out the topics that is bothering the common uh, people in the societies. So we would like you to, some of the times, or many of the times, write us, send us the songs you would like us to play, send us messages and uh, shout out to friends, um, wherever they are, and we will do that. So we'll be moving on to the next interview, and and I hope you stay tuned to enjoy it. And the next interview that is going to be coming is from one of uh, our friends, an ally, uh, who is named Tara. So this is going to be our second interview for today, and uh, you're still listening to The Bridge Radio. And our second uh, guest in the studio today is Tyra. Please welcome to the studio. Thank you. Uh, please, would you kindly introduce yourself to us or to the audience? Sure. Yeah. So my name is uh, Tara, as uh, was introduced. I work in an organization or a group called Front, which is an activist group fighting discrimination and colonization in higher education in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to develop a bit, we work with uh, curriculum, um, with um, discrimination in the physical surroundings. It means both like day-to-day classroom discrimination, discrimination in, in uh, hirings, uh, and similar structural discrimination or um, microaggressions and stuff like that. We also work uh, with a more um, institutional element, which is one of the power groups we hopefully uh, can use to pressure uh, educational institutions to take responsibility, which is um, corporate social responsibility uh, on the social bottom line, which means pressuring institutions to respect human rights, including the right to self-determination, which is indigenous people's rights, and the right to non-discrimination, which is... uh, which can occur on any discrimination ground. Mm, that's nice and um, great with what you're, you are doing. And um, it's funny because our today's program is mainly actually talking about also decolonizing the curriculum. So it's uh, great that you're already working on things like this. So it's I'm looking forward to a very um, interesting conversation with you. Uh, yeah, me too. And the title of our today's program is uh, Knowledge is Not White. Um, one of the things we try to let this Western society know is that um, in the way we have seen it present itself, in the way we have seen that we are presented in this society, that they have somehow taken their own knowledge of what we are or <laughs> what kind of ideas uh, they have of, of us and mainly thinking critical of it many of us can see that where this 
sort of education is produced is mainly is mainly in the institutions or educational institutions and so we want to try to talk about that so that's why one of our topics today is decolonizing the cur curriculum and we don't only want to decolonize that we also want to decolonize this society from their racist way of thinking so mm. talking about that uh, we in the last program we talked about um, philosophers like uh, Immanuel Kant. Uh, we talked about uh, people like Plato and um, white philosophers who have somehow produced the ideas of, um, let's say, minority groups, or who are minority groups today. Uh, we have talked about philosophers who continue to produce this kind of knowledge even in our educational spaces today so since you're a student oh you you sorry if i got if i got it right are you a student or are you you're done with your studies finished. okay yeah, sorry. Finished this summer. okay so uh, you studied in the university and i guess you also have um, your own critics or your own experience, please can you relate to what our discussion today is about when we talk about knowledge is not white and how to decolonize the curriculum within the educational system? Very much so. It's, um, of course, one of the reasons uh, I started front uh, three years ago was exactly that. I'd, I'd gone to university for, at that time, three years, and I was baffled by only being introduced to purely white cis men um, from mainly Europe and the States, Canada, and sometimes Australia. I thought it was, um, it was, it was like out of my comprehension, a comprehensive ability to understand what was, what was going on. Um, um, I was studying philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, so when we started, it was exactly as a response to that, because it was this, this, this like signaling of that um, curriculum curation from our professors and teachers, um, I I found was uh, disturbing that nobody was questioning where the knowledge we were reading was coming from, and I think especially when we read because we also read the Kent and Plato and um, and other philosophers who are known to inspire um, different types of uh, genocide that every type. Every time we were introduced to a philosopher, either it was not mentioned at all their relation to oppression, mm -hmm. or it was mentioned as a joke or some sort of side note mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't relevant to the to the class. And I thought that was scary because most of the philosoph philosophy in that text was very directly linked to the argument that could promote genocide or oppression of people. Um, so that was one of the reasons I reacted is it was not only clear in the curriculum combination of text uh, that some people were so clearly uh, excluded from knowledge production. It was also clear in the actual content that uh, oppression was of no relevance um, because the perspective of oppressed people was not relevant. And uh, when you're talking about this is of recently, we're still talking about this, yeah? Because let's say, one of the arguments we see in these societies when you bring up things like this, they tell you, well, these things happened many years ago, so um, mm. forget about it. But the, yeah. <laughs> the issue is that we have continuously, there's no any awareness that the same thing 
is being repeated all over again. I mean, the same philosophers, mm. we still have philosophers today who have the same ideas within the educational system uh, who are still producing the same, um, let's say, books, who are still producing the same kind of uh, ideas in, or publish the same kind of ideas in the society whereby they still represent people like Iman account and their sort of ideas and projection into the society. Mm. We still see that today. Uh, and when we talk about that, this is like some years ago, but what we are talking about now is something you said you experienced in the last few years. Completely. And I think one thing that's also noteworthy about that is in most educational institutions today, at least 80% of the texts that you read are from um, 1980 and forward, mm -hmm. which means long after uh, we officially ended, or at least sometime after we officially ended um, most types of colonization around the world. And, um, and there should have been no argument for the exclusion, the systematic exclusion of people of color um, or colonized people. Um, so it's... Um, what can you like when I read Kant in philosophy? I read one text by Kant, and then I read three contemporary uh, writers who comment on Kant. Mm. And something like that is very similar in other um, types of courses where historical literature is relevant. Yeah. Um, and because of that, if you look through your curriculum, there's no historical argument. Even that argument is also bad in its in and of itself because of course people of color have always written and have always contributed to knowledge mm -hmm. and have just had their ideas stolen in different ways yeah. but even if you accepted that argument the, the actual literature we're reading is not from that time yeah so there's just an ongoing systematic exclusion of uh, people of color and people from non-western countries one of one of these sickening things you one experiences is even with your knowledge or your education from your own country where we talk about like migrants or refugees today who have come from other parts of the world one of the mm -hmm. things we notice or we see is whenever whatever we the degree they come whatever knowledge they come with one of the things that is being told to them is that, or one of the things we are meant to believe, is that the um, Western education is much better or in a higher standard than where we came from. So therefore, every one of them always has to upgrade um, yeah. or, yeah, to upgrade their, um, how do you say, it? their um, results. Yeah, they have to take like an extra degree exactly. or retake. They have to do that again. And in that process, this is where I sometimes see the exclusion of indigenous uh, minority refugees and mi migrants, uh, mm. where their knowledge is sort of like excluded. Mm. Because, of course, it's true that one has come um, from another country. Yes, the educational system is totally different. But the assumption that the one in the West is better it's mm. really wrong because, mm. of course, yeah, there are people in Africa or in the Middle East who have a different way of educating themselves because we have a yeah. saying uh, in Nigeria that says, like, uh, one doesn't teach another 
uh, one one always teach another. A specific teacher doesn't teach you anything. Uh, even mm. uh, one of the greatest activists, who is a musician, Fela Kuti, also said something like this: uh, "Teacher, don't teach me nonsense." So we always mm. think that the the way the assumption here that where we have come from does not reach to the standard of the West is first of all exclusion of our knowledge of what we know because at the end of the day we still are employed low paid in the same field <laughs> where we, we have been excluded from many of us come from uh, middle east africa many of them end up being nurses even though they're doctors or substitute doctors that's what they end up being here are not were paid as doctors here why other people who graduated of course who are uh, europeans or mainly white males who dominate these sectors somehow are in the position of extracting this knowledge and at the same time using them and not paying them very well we see that very much in the um in this society what is your experience to this mm. if I'm you so understand glad you're raising this point completely and uh, it's it's such a um what's it called potent uh, area and i think it really reflects clearly institutional discrimination mm-hmm. um, based on nationality mm-hmm. uh, because it's so it's so clearly institutionalized you literally have to send in some sort of um, documentation of your education and you'll get a response telling you that it's not adequate mm-hmm. like the, the actual institutional like systematic um, or systematized um, non-recognition of uh, Educational institutions in countries that are not Western is it's like it's so um, it's obvious in these cases, uh, and I think it's it really reflects uh, clearly uh, um, the discrimination going on uh, continuously based on nationality that has these repercussions back to colonialism and to the idea of Western knowledge and also the the knowledge production that is so centered around this idea of western knowledge in uh, especially danish universities and in and other european universities or northern universities um i think it's been going on for a while i i, I remember like my friends parents having a similar experience when they uh, moved here uh, 30 years ago mm-hmm. that they had like these all these master's degrees from all over the world yeah. and the, the Danish state would just simply not recognize it as an education and they would have to take them all over. Mm. Um, and I think you can also probably see it in the uh, when you look more at the diasporic relationships um, to education so that uh, people in, in the African diaspora or the Indian diaspora, which I'm a part of, yeah. uh, go to Western, in quotation marks, um, universities, um, they can finally, to like a very limited extent, experience some recognition uh, of their education uh, internationally mm-hmm. because there's so much exclusion internationally of um, educations that are not coming from those universities. And this started, you, we already saw it with uh, Franz Fanon when he was writing that he didn't, he wasn't recognized before he went to for his writings mm-hmm. um, by a lot of people at least uh, and had his like proper training also in quotation marks but by French psychoanalysts which must be such 
uh, experience of like oppression <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> to have to go to literally go to the colonizer and say, okay, now I have to learn your tools. Yeah. Um, and of course, you can always say, well, learn the tools to disassemble them, but I also think that like fuck those tools, <laughs> let me use my own. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is pretty much also what Franz Fanon, I think, is writing about when he sometimes talks about different approaches to resistance of colonization. Mm. Um, that's a different story. Um, nonetheless, I, um, it's a hard question, like how to exactly um, approach a, an institutional change, but I think because it's already so um, so literal and so established, it should be there should be a way to make a much clearer, um, make un universities take much more responsibility or much um, clearer responsibility on their prioritization of uh, different universities and different journals and all this depending on their locations. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, one of the things I always think is change usually doesn't come from the individual who put you in this situation. Mm. Of course, you can ask and ask, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. uh, and they will tell you in what conditions they will have to um, sort of let you free. I mean, mm. we can go about talking about, uh, is it education? Is it economics? In what way that each of these minority groups or people who are not seen as white uh, around the world are literally being, uh, yeah, systematically oppressed in every aspect of their life? Mm. And this change, we do not, of course, expect the um, white males who has been writing, or mainly white males who has been writing these kind of ideas to suddenly change the ideas uh, and suddenly include people in the same educational system whereby they make up this this propaganda where they teach this their propaganda of what they have written so in many ways i sometimes want to advise that yes we should continue to ask the institutions to change but if I look back or if we continue to read back about uh, freedom fighters in different uh, uh, in different sectors <laughs> who has been fighting for the right or dignity of minority people they've been hearing these stories and it has not changed and it has come from generation to generation and now it's up to us to keep on fighting so my question is why don't we try to create our own recognition of education. Just before we continue with that, I would like us to, uh, it would be nice for us to listen to a more music, which is a bit relaxing in order to make this uh, show also very interesting. So for those of us who are a bit getting tired or might be getting tired of the interview, here comes uh, a music for you. And this is called... Black man in a white world. So here you go. And the interview is going to be coming back in a little while. Uh, so please stay tuned. While you stay tuned, please enjoy this song. I've got nothing left to say. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. 
I'm a black man in a white. I'm in love, but I'm still sad. I found peace, but I'm not glad. All my nights and all my days, I've been trying the wrong way. I'm a black man in a white world. 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 I feel like I've been here before. I feel that knocking on my door. I feel like I've been here before. I feel that knocking on my door. And I've lost it. This one is called uh, The Passenger and A Kind Reminder. 
and we are still trying to kindly remind the society about human rights we are trying to kindly remind them about inclusion we are constantly trying to remind them about the dehumanizing uh, ways and tools in which they describe other people minority groups that they don't see as them so please we remind you once again it is inhumane so go bury your head in the sand if you will for the waters are rising round capital hill with four years in front and only three weeks behind you you somehow already managed to upset china Cause your hands are so small That's why you have to build such a big fucking wall Yeah, you promised it wide and you promised it tall Now you're wanting the Mexicans to pay for it all And you say that you'll make America great But I fear that we're in for a long fucking wait Your carving divides through every state And you're filling up hearts with fear and hate song won't change your thoughts we're more likely to see your tax reports so just a kindly reminder we would like to remind the society that we are still here and uh, we are not going to go away because this is also our world we belong in this part of the world we belong we are part and embody this particular earth together so all we are asking is that we are included in it and that we are not dehumanized so i will be going back to the or we'll be continuing the interview so i hope you stay tuned because it's very interesting and it's a uh, very intellectual about what we are talking about here we want people to understand what is really going on around them so here is tyra again and we'll be back in a while we outside of the system whereby everything that is lacked or we lacked in this system that whereby we can create something like that here yeah uh, that's a i it's an amazing question and it's super central also to the work that we do uh, in front because uh, my experience at least so far is it's such a, it's a balancing act between uh, providing like pro- developing your own um understanding of what is education what is knowledge mm-hmm. how can you uh, do it responsibly still situated in a in a, in a northern country mm-hmm. um a scandinavian country and then this um uh, other side which i like to call not so much asking as forcing um educational institutions that are already established mm-hmm. uh, to change um their practices um and the reason i call it forces of course uh 
because we try as much as possible to not let it be a possibility to not make a change. And with force also comes the institutional placement of people who are not the oppressors who can start taking over the the, um, running of educational institutions. So what I'm hoping to see is that with all the power and uh, that and power I mean mainly mean the um, material um, availability that comes with an institution yeah like a educational institution that's already established um I don't think it's in any way fair that that's owned by uh, by pe- uh, solely uh, white cis men from western countries um and I don't see how people of color should not be uh, central in in running those institutions, um, and I like the and uh, what we're already doing in front is uh, we do these reading groups once a year or twice a year depending on how many um, people we are to run them, mm-hmm. where we do our own curriculum and we do our own education and we focus on um, on non discrimination and de- decolonization in in uh, educational institutions, yeah. and that is super fruitful. Um, and I find it uh, to be like a, there's so much that can grow from that. But at the same time, I feel a, a need to push the institutions who have the money <laughs> to keep running mm-hmm. uh, to to not sit on them um, and keep the positions that they're keeping. So there's just uh, it's like for me, it, I see it as a constant balancing act how to how to place your um, energy. But I have. I fully agree that the challenge with asking, um, it's it's uh, difficult. It's super difficult because, and uh, on one side, it's um, it's comfortable for everyone if you ask politely um, for change. And sometimes it might even uh, like using the goodwill of uh, people or using the the ego that makes people want to perceive themselves as good. Uh, for your own benefit through asking politely might be super uh, fruitful. My experience so far is that it isn't uh, because you'll be uh, told that you have a lot of um, a, a hidden intentions and you always have um, some sort of motivation for uh, the public. For, um, it, it, this is also, you know, I we have this um, sort of education or let me not call it knowledge exchange platform Mm. and uh, we call it the silent university and um, i think it's very important like what you do with uh, the organization you work with i think it's very important to first incorporate these ideas Mm. we've been also arguing back and forth if it's um, good to take this um, new ideas we are creating how every how the educational system or exchange of knowledge spaces can be a safe space for everyone where everybody can be included in their exchange of knowledge how we can take that and somehow give go to the educational institutions to say to them well you have we have already a project going how do you incorporate this with the already existing institutions and my fear is that this is going to be appropriated as in any other way 
every other struggle has been appropriated in this society. So I, I, of course, I share the idea of dialogue and trying to understand and trying to collaborate with the the institutions to do things right, if only they would do things right, or if they would not use that again. Because talking about using these ideas, a lot of yeah. the minority minority groups have produced a lot of knowledge in this society, has contributed to manpower in building this society. And yet, we do not see any of them there. The people who benefit from this um, this uh, knowledge, this uh, manpower, this contribution to this society are still these very um, minorities in this society. So, uh, that brings me to the topic of exploitation of uh, minority knowledge, or refugees, minorities, uh, indigenous people's knowledge, the exploitation of that. So I do not see, or let, maybe I, I direct that as a question to you. What, how do you feel, or how do you see it in your own experience when you mm -hmm. see this system working like this in the way it works, whereby... Um, some of us produce the knowledge. We are not well paid for it, or not paid at all for it, um, uh, even many of the time. Why doing the work? Um, criticize that you do not want to work because you are not paid and is not recognized of the work you do. Uh, then that means that you are automatically jobless. You're not contributing anything to the society because nobody sees it. You don't have the certificate that says, yes, uh, uh, a recognition of where you work. How do you see that with the communities you've been around? Because I know that a lot of minority groups have contributed to this society very much. That's when they talk about the people who built this society, they are not included. What's your opinion on yeah. that? I think there are multiple facets to it. I think the one um, especially that I noticed that you're touching upon is the erasure of of, of knowledge produced by minorities and then the appropriation of that knowledge into mm -hmm. like a, a, a majority um, position mm -hmm. who can enjoy exactly what you're also talking about, the exploitation, um, exploiting the, the value in that work for their own benefit. Yeah. Um, as far as I see it, it, it's like there's both the historical perspective and the, the more systematic perspective where um, majority positioned people uh, take on ideas from minoritized people um, or oppressed people, mm -hmm. twist them a bit in their in their favor, and then uh, and then um, publish it in their their own names. Mm -hmm. um, so you see this all the way from pretty much like Plato to um, I think another example is um, Husserl, who is a, a Jewish uh, phenomenologist whose student was Heidegger, and Heidegger took the philosophy of Husserl pretty much copied it and just made it anti-Semite instead. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of, of taking away knowledge, twisting it into something different, which is oftentimes violent, and then reproducing uh, in your own name and selling. But you also see it, I think, this, this just this still happens today. So someone reads uh, black fem feminist literature and turns it into their own white uh, savior project. Yeah. And then they get all the credit for it, which is unfortunately uh, often seen. Um, there's 
a very limited awareness that at least remember to cite the people that you're stealing from. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's not there. Uh, one other aspect I think is especially prevalent in the in I I can't even say in the Danish context because it's probably uh, broader than this. I just only only have um, a lot of knowledge about it in in a Danish context is um, researchers who are white who research the topic of refugees minorities mm-hmm. um, and exploitation in Denmark and they do it in a way where they both uh, acquire knowledge through interviews and mm-hmm. through um, a, a reading articles and stuff like that from people in these very um, difficult positions mm-hmm. and use that to produce knowledge where they pretty much tend to steal their ideas and also when they when they do that, still credit the people that they're getting knowledge from, but kind of take out the the, um, the ethical or moral um, call that is in the research, which means they end up producing academic material that has no push or that doesn't have the courage to push for change or to take away positions from someone to give to someone else mm-hmm. who is actually in need of that position because it, it gets so theoretical in the, and I, I, that word is unfair to use because theory can also be super um, activist um, yeah. but it, it gets so passive that's also an unfair word but it, it just it silences the re- relevance of of change that the people writing the articles should feel necessitated to initiate with the knowledge that they have and with the information that they're receiving from so many people in difficult positions who are handing over their experiences to them. This, and I think this makes sorry. it just such a theory. Yeah, sorry. This just, it, 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 there, did, there develops this kind of academic um, culture where academics talk to each other about all the challenges in the world, mm-hmm. but it's safe for them to keep it there and not to challenge their own positions or their fellow academics' positions in the university. And also not challenge the society or let's say of course they they, they don't have a position this this mm. is usually the the the, the thing um uh, why because now in Denmark everyone is talking about Schismark uh, Kasugo uh, this has mm. been it's getting to now four years it's been open for two and a half years, almost three years, <laughs> we were talking about these issues. There were researchers, uh, the media made a full out of us as if we were not saying anything that made any sense, not trying to understand. Of course, all of these people already had their own ideas. We we were having like uh, uh, journalists, we were having like uh, researchers from the universities who were coming to ask us of even up to your detailed everyday life, how you live and how you deal with the whole issues. And at the end of the day, they publish this in their own way. You remain pa- as passive as a victim in this process. Some of them even paint you as a victim during the, the, this whole process. Not that you are somebody who produced or part of somebody who produces knowledge of what you're going through or like you said earlier, that many of the people there are in a very, very bad situation, but many of the time due to the urge that people should know what is going on, that they want the story to be heard. 
they tell these stories and many of the times these researchers journalists they they are this is their job they're they're paid for it but the person in this situation actually gets nothing for it or mainly many of the times dehumanized in the sense when you hear the things with the muslims now going on around in denmark and around europe the migrants issues refugees issues who are going to drown them and kill their culture um, all of these things is being produced or projected through what some intellectuals have produced it's not just the society just knowing by themselves intellectuals people who are in the position in the society produce these ideas produce these knowledges to the wider society so that's one of the things i just wanted to mention not to um stop you from talking though yeah no but i think it's super important and i kind of actually would reflect back i think on the discussion on curriculum is that what you're also talking about as i hear it at least is this very you know measuring people on unequal terms mm-hmm. so that you set criteria uh, unequal criteria depending on who you interview and if it's a person of color there's such a tendency to um um, not like distrust their knowledge, distrust mm-hmm. their positions, their motivations, and I think that actually might point back to the question you also um, posed and introduced in the beginning on on prioritizing um, educational institutions uh, from different nations. Mm-hmm. That there's this like um, distrust that education from specific nations can be can be useful or adequate because we hold them to unequal uh, standards. Yeah. yeah. So we ask more of uh, people of color. We ask we ask them first to kind of or to prove our humanity basically mm-hmm. our our good motivations that any other human is assumed to have. Yeah. Uh, and then to prove uh, our arguments in a sense after that. And I think this a similar thing happens to these um educational institutions, except you don't even get to argue. You're just, from the beginning, um, not institutionally recognized. One of the last things, maybe, before we um, end with the interview, one of the last things I wanted to ask was also about this profiting from people's um, or minority groups' knowledge. Many of the times, if you go to when I mentioned earlier the history classes, uh, if mm. you go around in the museums, which is very painful to me, not that they have to pay or give them the same standard, <laughs> no. All I'm just asking is, could it be possible to have an African professor? Could it be possible to have uh, somebody who knows history from from the place where this history is coming from, to tell the histories here themselves and not have a white male or a white woman presenting an African object or artifact from Africa in the museum be presented by them or an African history or any other minority minority group histories uh, to be presented by or introduced by an European, because when you have a lot of the people from the same that country, or perhaps who knows the history more than the person presenting it, why are they not employed 
to give this history. It's like me going back to Africa to give European history when there is a lot of Europeans who are there. Yeah, I think this exactly is one of the. I'm so glad you raised the the point also because it's it's um it's I think it's one of the points when when we discuss it as front with other people that there's a lot of resistance mm-hmm. on even mentioning this uh, importance of representation. And most often the argument as I hear it is that, well, everybody can produce knowledge. Why should uh, people of color be better than any other person? <laughs> or why should the person from Africa be better than any other person? Yeah. And the whole idea is, well, why shouldn't they just be as good as anyone else, first of all, for exactly. any knowledge? But then specifically for historical uh, for themes like history or um, that are that are specific to nations or identities, we should like it's beyond my understanding why it's um, why it's hard to understand that the perspective of a person who's lived that experience, mm-hmm. of course, will be more informed than a person perceiving it from the outside. Yeah, but um, this is not what is not understood. Sorry? I said this is what is not understood. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, to a degree, I understand. If a person, like, if I talk to any uh, person on the street in Denmark, I could get some information on um, on uh, Danish history or the queens uh, or in, and kings in 1600s. Mm-hmm. While if I talk to a professor, I'd probably get more uh, advanced or nuanced information. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is not between an uneducated, an uneducated person and an educated person. Mm-hmm. It's between two educated people where one is actually also has the the knowledge of uh, or the experience of living in the country that that's being represented and i think maybe just just to add to it in in the like hypothetical situation that all um all people around the world had uh, equal uh, representation mm-hmm. in in education yeah i probably wouldn't have the same opinion as i have right now but because there's some such an unequal distribution yeah. of uh, who gets to represent what? Um, it also means that the knowledge produced will be so um, so limited and so um, flattened, because you get these unnuanced, um, often colonial perspectives on um, on different areas and people in the world. Hmm. All right. So that's it's been very wonderful being in this conversation with you and uh, talking you about this back and forth and i hope somehow that we can learn from this raising awareness in our societies also to enable many of the minority group indigenous people refugees and migrants it's time to step up it's time for us to speak up and share ideas between ourselves and come into conversations uh, support the groups who are working on supporting each other so thank you very much tyra for coming into the program and um yeah thank you for having me it was such a a joy to talk to you and i think also the point you raised with um refugees uh, educations and people from uh, different migrant educations in denmark not being recognized Mm -hmm. something that we'll try to be more strategic about in the in front because it's it should be we should be able to do something about it Thank you very much. And uh, I also, yeah, good luck with all you do and more powers to the, or more solidarity to what you do and keep it up um, as long as it is 
supporting the minorities and oppressed people in the world. Keep it up. Yeah, you too. The Bridge Radio. So the next song you're hearing right now is from Habib and it's called Aneke King and it's from Tyra and she wanted us to dedicate this song to her siblings and to to her siblings and this is for you uh, Tessa and Taya uh, thank you and her message to you both is thank you very much both for your amazing spirits and this i would also like to extend to many of the refugees migrants thank you very much for your spirit also thank you very much for what you've been doing keep up the fight and keep on fighting for many of the children who are in Shismark, uh, for the people in kasugo elebeg and many other refugees who are detained all over around europe and in the west where we don't know, where we have not mentioned yet, please, we would like you also to reach us out. Please enjoy this music from Tara. Man, I shush it down all the way down like it's martial law. Pull up, get the flex and count my blessings like mashallah, mashallah. Posted in the parking lot, looking for her baby. Bitch, I'm the plug, I'm the plug. They be like, I know that you see me. Had to tell when foreign go, bitch. I'm too real for TV. Look how we party. Sipping on tea leaves. Look at them yardies. Rolling that seaweed. Want no action, homie. Leave if they never buy the drama. We gon' hit him with the three P. Blah, blah, blah. Like, blah, blah, blah. This how we bleed. It's refugees. Ooh, nah, nah, nah. Look at the glow. Yalla. Look at the glow. Putting them on it, they shit on my own. Did it all on my own. Can't take me out of my zone, cause on me, I just told my mother, rest the feet today. Came on with that chicken with no beef today. And if you still remember, we're still playing from the Bridge Radio in collaboration with FSK, and uh, you're listening to the song from Habib. Just to say this song was from Tyra and to all of us who has been in this program today who were part of being part of this program and for those who have been listening, I want to say thank you very much for being part of it. We are also very much coming close to the end of the program and in the next few minutes, 10 minutes more like, we'll be bringing you beautiful music.
Somehow, I I would like to send uh, a big uh, warm out to or a big hug to a lot of our revolutionary moms or single moms um, because talking about this somehow this yesterday we were supposed to have somebody in the radio and because of the issues facing single mothers who are in the struggle uh, who continue to struggle uh, that was not possible and i think it was very important to raise this issue of uh, the revolutionary mothers who have always been in the struggle who are ignored many other times i think we should do more to uh, support and encourage their fight and also recognize that they are also big revolutionaries who have a lot of obstacles that we do not recognize so shout out to all of you and this is also a shout out to seda who was supposed to be with us uh, in this program but hopefully we'll have a next time in the program so this was for all the whole single mothers in the struggle and those not in the struggle coming to the end of the program and uh, as you know this is also the bridge radio and i want to also use this opportunity now to say uh, a shout out to those of those of the refugees and migrants who are still on their way or who are stranded on their way uh, those who have lost their life on the sea and those who are still trapped on the sea and those who are again in the refugee camps and on the streets of Europe, we would like to say, please keep up the hope, keep up the courage, continue the fight because it's a fight for survival. And we are going, this next song that is going to be coming is going to be from Sonia, uh, Sonia, and this is especially from me. And I would like with this rhythm of this song that we all can find somehow peace in our minds. So this is Sonia coming. Sonia is a female artist from Gambia who is making Kora music and uh, as much as we talk about this we also like to bring into uh, the media the ideas and works of uh, women all over 
Africa, the Middle East and South America who are not often seen as uh, people who also produce knowledge or produce music or ideas in the society. So this is also to the women's struggle all over the world.
this is it from me and uh, I will be saying goodbye from here and this is again once the bridge radio so see you in the next two weeks and have a blessed week. Thank you.